Struggling to stay up to date with social media? Do you want to get ahead online? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, the podcast for public sector professionals who want to elevate their digital communications. Here's your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. You know and I know that disinformation and fake news is a major challenge for government and public sector and communications professionals stepping into the breach to try and narrow that fake news gap between you and the citizen is not easy. In today's show, I'm going to talk about the power of fact-checking for public sector and I provide a new way of tackling misinformation. I ask the question and I answer it, what is fact-checking communications? And we learn from some of the world's most prominent organizations and a media outlet in Ireland of what they're doing around fact-checking. And finally, we speak to a digital communications consultant and former multimedia producer with the United Nations, Leda Letra, about her insights and what she knows about fact-checking for government and public sector. What is fact-checking communications? Essentially, it is correcting the public record when misinformation is spreading. When I worked as a broadcast journalist in radio 20 years ago, sometimes we would have individuals or organizations call into the newsroom to challenge the accuracy of the story. And that's important. And if we were incorrect, then we would correct the record. And it's really important from a government and public sector standpoint that you are seen to lead from the front and correct the public record, especially in the digital age and especially on the internet. I know for sure if there was an inaccuracy in a media article, whether in print, on radio, on television or on a news website, you would be straight into the editor and you would be asking for a correction, an apology or a clarification. So why is it so often that when it comes to social media that you step back? I see this all the time and it genuinely frustrates me. You have to step into that breach, into that vacuum because there exists on the internet bad actors who have nefarious objectives to actually disrupt democracy, politics, diplomacy, and public sector communications. I know that you're afraid of the backlash. So step into a new approach to tackling misinformation, and that's called fact-checking communications. Public sector pros, do you want to progress in your career? Are you going for promotion? Do you want to stay ahead of the digital media landscape? We can help you. View our training calendar at publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's consulting segment, we're going to learn from some of the world's most prominent organizations around fact-checking. The first one I want to start with is the United Nations. They have 817,500 subscribers to their fast facts from the UN LinkedIn newsletter. This is pretty genius. So those subscribers are opting in to hear from the UN uh, from their fact-checking newsletter. 
Another organization that is doing it really well is the World Health Organization. Of course, they've come up against many challengers during the COVID pandemic, during and even now afterwards. But on their website, they have an A to Z library of fact sheets. So you can go into any area of public health from A to Z. You can click in and you see the list of fact sheets. And what the WHO do really, really well is that they repurpose this content, take it out of the website archives and put it on social. And they use it to signpost people to factual information to counteract fake news. A third organization that I want to reference, and this is an Irish media organization called thejournal.ie. They have been doing fact-checking journalism for many years, and it's proving very popular. And so they will investigate what is put out in the public domain, which is put out as perhaps perception or a, a position put out by an organization or an individual that gets mainstream media attention or that gets viral social media attention, and they will fact check it and they will do what's called explainer journalism on it. And they will tell us the ABCs and the one, two, threes of that story. So go and have a look at what these three organizations are doing. Have a conversation in-house with your communications team. And if you are being subjected to continuous and escalating misinformation and fake news around your work, then consider how fact-checking communications can help you. In today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Leda Letra, who is a multimedia producer, uh, writer, and also a digital communications specialist. Leda used to work for the United Nations, and in our conversation, I asked her, about the role that fact-checking plays in communications for government and public sector. Leda, thank you so much for joining me on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Thank you so much for having me, Joanne. Nice talking to you. So you have some exceptional communications experience internationally. Tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about your career to date. Thank you so much, Joanne. As my career started a little while ago, I started journalism school in 2001, and immediately I decided to get an internship at a news radio station. And funny enough, my first assignment was actually to be a fact checker. I was getting phone calls from the audience. At the time, we didn't have social media, we didn't have WhatsApp, so people were actually calling a landline at the news radio to give us information. So I had to fact check, send that info to the reporters, help the reporters, etc. Then I became at the same news radio uh, producer. Then I became a news uh, reporter uh, going live on the air, etc., which I loved it. Uh, and at the end of uh, 2008, so it's been 15 years, I was accepted for a position to work as a producer at UN News. UN News is the official news agency of the United Nations. So I moved uh, to New York City. I worked with UN News for about 10 years and writing stories, doing interview, everything was UN related. So only news about the United Nations system. And after I moved to Lisbon, where I live now, uh, I had the chance to keep working remotely for UN News for a while, but then I didn't want to go back to New York. I love my life here in Lisbon. So for the past year, I have been focusing my career on being a communications consultant, 
working for a UN agency and also for some small business here in Portugal. And how do you think news and communications has changed, especially for those governmental and public sector agencies? We both started out in traditional media, interestingly, both in radio, but now we see a lot of our communications work having a strong digital element. Yes, I think everything everything changed, honestly, and I'm not sure if it changed for the better, because today anyone and basically anyone can see themselves as an authority on something, and people are buying that. They are believing these influencers, right? They go on social media, they say whatever they want to say, and people are believing in that. I think uh, that's where the dangers come, uh, because people are trust believing whatever they watch or see, and they then share that information. Recently, the New York Times published an article on fact-checkers, and they are frustrated. They confirmed that despite their own efforts, things are not getting better. I am Brazilian, and unfortunately, hundreds of thousands of people died in Brazil during the pandemic, mainly because the own government at the time was contributing to spread false information on the seriousness of the COVID-19 a lot of people didn't take precautions. A lot of people did not protect themselves. They were actually helping to spread false information on COVID-19. So where there, I believe that there, where is the real danger is. Of course, the real currency for these organizations is trust. Without trust, you, you don't have citizen buy-in. You give the example of COVID-19. We've got US and European elections coming up next year. We have major international organizations implementing divisive legislation. And without trust, things can fall apart. So what tactics do you deploy in your work to try and build and protect reputation and trust? I believe, Joanna, that it comes to the basics of journalism school. Don't believe in anything you read, hear, or see before you check with several sources. And then you have to double check those sources. I love to joke that every story has three sides. My side, your side, and the truth, right? So it is important to go after the original source of information, especially if your career as a journalist is just starting. And I think with the pace that we are working on these days, I see many colleagues, uh, journalist colleagues saying, oh, that is true because that news outlet gave that information. Yes, but from which, which sources? We have to take the time to, to think about that, to reflect on that and go after the original source of information. As journalists, I think we always have to question ourselves, question our sources, and finally to find the truth. And do you think that the public are switching off from the communications from their governments, their politicians and public sector agencies because they don't know who to believe anymore. I believe so. And this happened in Brazil, my, my home country. Some people are lost and they don't even know anymore who they can trust in terms of uh, governments or in terms of uh, which newspapers to read, magazines or which news to watch on TV. 
I have a very close example. The things in Brazil, they got so bad, not only during the pandemic, but during the presidential elections. I'm sure you know about everything that happened there. And that my mom and my sister, they got so frustrated that they decided that they don't watch news on TV anymore. And I think that is scary because some people are choosing to be actually disinformed instead of looking after reliable news sources because they don't know who they can trust anymore, right? So uh, that New York Times story that I mentioned before, I recommend every, anyone to read that. Uh, they are saying that story that the environment right now is highly distrustful. And more and more we have people that are just relying on social media as an information source. They're just scrolling, sharing, and believing anything they say. I think that's a huge problem on my view. Yeah, and that New York article, uh, New York Times article is supported by the findings in the 2023 Digital News Report where news avoidance is a real trend and it is growing. A lovely anecdote you provided from your mum and your sister is evidence of that. So what have you been doing in your career uh, to deliver fact-checking communications? What examples of that? I think that you have to think if you're doing good journalism, uh, and I was very lucky, I had amazing teachers doing, during my bachelor degree. I also come from a time, and I'm talking about 20 years ago, it's not that long, uh, where we didn't have social media. So we could really focus the work on going after the sources and et cetera. We didn't have information coming from all sides uh, as we have right now, right? So I think uh, I, I never thought actually that we would reach this point where the level of fake news is so high that we'd have companies only doing fact-checking. Because before, if you are in a newsroom, you have people doing fact-checking, period. Right now, you have companies that only work with fact-checking. So uh, according to the Duke University Reporters Lab, there are about 420 fact-checking websites running right now from just 11, 15 years ago. Uh, I can give you a more recent example. When I was working with the UN News, the United Nations News Agency, uh, the website is basically an official news agency of the United Nations. That means that most of the time we would not have the story published uh, as fast as other news outlets because we had to wait on an official press release, we had to wait on an official statement and etc. The waiting for us journalists was really frustrating because you wanted to be the first to report on something. We wanted to publish the story before other news outlets, right? But on the other hand, we would only publish stories at UN News based on the official UN sources, making them more trustworthy. And I actually recommend anyone uh, to check news.un.org if you wanted to learn more about the UN United Nations system, because that's a, a, a source of information from the United Nations. Uh, they are inside the United Nations headquarters and they only get like information from the original UN sources. So with the vastness of the internet that creates echo chambers and people coming together on shared views very quickly because of social media. Do you think we as communications professionals can be effective and to lead the charge and to win back public trust? Can we, do we have that power or potential? I think we do have, Joanne. I think especially if you already build a reputation 
And if you're constantly proving to your audience how you are actually fighting fake news, I think it's also important to be constantly reminding the public of how they can be more aware about fake news themselves. Uh, how I think social media have a major role in teaching the general public how not to trust just anyone. Uh, but you have to have a reputation for that. And of course, communications professionals are in the main and generally proactive when it comes to getting news and information out fast, demonstrating transparency, really um, promoting public trust. But then we have senior leadership within organizations, whether it's political, whether it's policymakers, whether it's CEOs, whatever, um, they can sometimes be reluctant to be proactive because of maybe the hate and the level of critique that they are getting on social. So that requires a balancing act. Would you agree? I completely agree. Uh, requires a balance and requires them also to be transparent about whatever they are doing, the work that they are doing, so they don't get uh, all these negative comments and etc. So people will only trust if there's transparency involved. But also we have a, a role to play to make the general public uh, know uh, which kind of information they can trust or not. Also, I believe that these senior uh, leaders or owners of communications companies, for example, if they have a political interests uh, that unfortunately they want, for example, in the case of news, news communications, if they wanted the news to work for their own interest, then all the good work that you are doing in a newsroom as a reporter to deliver reliable information won't be worth it. So on the other hand, if you have leaders committed to transparency, to the truth, without any other interests that they want the public to be really well informed. Uh, and if they're also encouraging uh, their own teams to fact check everything, to go after their sources, to double check, etc., then you're doing a, a really good job, not only in terms of journalism, but of informing the public about what you're doing. So we have traditional media, we have social media, we have alternative social media, we see some people who've been cancelled on mainstream social media going to platforms like Rumble. But going back to journalism and mainstream media, do you think that they are more important than ever before in the digital age? I believe, I believe, Joanne, because like I said before, people are lost. We have so many sources of information these days everyone is confused and it's overwhelming right you just when you try to take a little break oh let me go to check my instagram then boom 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 you have all this info coming from outside uh during the elections the presidential elections in brazil the the government of bolsonaro they were actually helping spread fake news so you had people sending over via whatsapp completely fake fake news about the previous government and people were just buying that right uh, that's super dangerous. So I believe that the traditional media, they have a major role to play because traditional media, they have a reputation to keep. They don't want, you know, a news uh, uh, to ruin hundreds of years of work. So I believe truly that they are our friends. Uh, most of the time, even when they run a story by mistake or with false information, that can happen, unfortunately, with any news outlet. 
I believe that the traditional media are the first ones to admit the wrongdoing because of the reputation that they, they work it so hard to have and they have to keep their reputation, right? Uh, I personally have a very small selection of news sources that, that I rely on, not only because of fake news, but also because I believe that the quality of many news websites or news on the TV are so low right now that we have to be really careful about choosing uh, which uh, newspapers are we going to read, which news we're going to watch on TV or listen to the radio. So let's finish with your top three tips for organizations who want to build a fact-checking strategy. I think first is to learn about it, to do a very good research before you build your own strategy. For example, the United Nations, they have the Countering Disinformation Report. Anyone can access online. It's a report made by the Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, with the uh, Office of the Human Rights. Uh, also, you have to make sure that transparency is your top priority and that you won't let any other uh, people or organization influence your fact-checking uh, strategy, right? So you have to be focused on faking the checks and giving the, the truth to your audience. Uh, I think you have to always investigate the source and tra trace every piece of information you receive. Quotes, studies, reports, you have to trace that to the original source to make sure that it is reliable. And then double check everything at the end. Leda, thank you so much for joining me. You're such a smart communications um, consultant and I appreciate your time. And I'm sure our listeners and viewers will appreciate your insights. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. It was really nice talking to you. And thank you so much for everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 84 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. If you want more insights into public sector marketing, the discipline specifically for your sector, then why not get a copy of my book, Public Sector Marketing Pro, available from Amazon, also available for Kindle download. And if you would prefer to listen, you can get the audiobook on Audible. A little reminder, of course, that we have our November trainings happening soon. You can catch the training live. If you've missed the deadline for registration, you can also get my training on demand. We've got the Social Media Bootcamp, the Diploma in Digital Communications for Government and Public Sector, and the favorite course by all of you, the Diploma in Social Media for Government and Public Sector. Go ahead and check out our website, publicsectormarketingpros.com. I will see you on episode 85. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a public sector pro you know. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube. For more free resources, details of our upcoming training courses, and consulting options, log on to publicsectormarketingpros.com.